Bible this morning. Or there should be one in the pew in front of you. Okay. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that you will never have, uh, so that you will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honour, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he'd realised it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we bow our heads as we come to God's word? Father, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you that they are a light in the darkness. They are a lamp unto our feet. They teach us truth in a world that can be so confusing, and they lead us to salvation in and through your Son, Jesus Christ. So open up our hearts this morning, open up our eyes, that we may see and hear and understand, and actually to encounter the risen Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. What an opportunity for Solomon. The Lord visits him in a dream and says, ask for whatever you want. We would all love a moment like that, wouldn't we? I wouldn't like to say it's a genie in a bottle situation where uh, you rub a lamp and a genie pops up and says, uh, what three things would you want? You get three wishes, but it's pretty close to that, isn't it? Ask for whatever you want, Solomon. 
wonder what you would ask for if you could ask the Lord for anything and you can't ask for more wishes <laughs> a pile of gold long and healthy life the ability to fly that's on my top 10 I think amazing fitness without having to do any exercise amen can I get an amen <laughs> scripture does promise that actually I think at the end of Isaiah doesn't it we will run and not grow weary we will soar on wings like uh, eagles uh, so maybe in the new creation that will be a reality what might you ask for peace a repair in your relationships I don't know a million things but Solomon asks for wisdom wisdom was that a wise choice <laughs> some people might think what a waste Solomon what a waste but actually the Lord commends him he was pleased with his request for wisdom so Solomon did make a wise choice interesting that he's got a little bit of wisdom before he's granted the gift of wisdom by the Lord because he asked for the right thing the Bible says that wisdom is the most precious thing in all the world that you could ever have wisdom i mean obviously salvation by the lord and the relationship with god is the most precious thing but what comes with that one of the most precious things that you could possess in this life is wisdom proverbs chapter 3 verse 13 says blessed are those who find wisdom those who gain understanding for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies and nothing you can desire can compare with her. I wonder if you believe those words. Wisdom is more precious than anything you could ask for or gain in this world. Just think for a moment about the things that your heart yearns for, that you work hard for that you will save up for is it wisdom or where is wisdom on that list well let's just think for a moment what is wisdom what is wisdom king solomon in verse uh, seven or verse nine rather excuse me says to the lord give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong a discerning heart and the ability to discern between right and wrong sounds quite simple doesn't it most of us think well i'm i'm pretty good at that discerning between right and wrong i know that it's wrong to to steal and murder and i know it's it's right to say please and thank you after someone gives you something pretty good at that aren't i well are we are we there's that classic definition of wisdom isn't there the difference between wisdom and knowledge have you heard this one knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad you know that one come on there's a difference there isn't there wisdom is about discernment it's not about great intellect or great knowledge there's plenty of very very smart people in the world but perhaps not as many wise people discerning between good 
and evil, right and wrong. We think it's easy, but perhaps it's not quite. Let me just give you a couple of examples. It's really hard to navigate. On a daily basis, I don't know what the statistics are. You make, what, 10,000 decisions a day or something ridiculous like that. We're always making decisions. What to wear. Actually, there's wisdom in what to wear in the morning, isn't there? <laughs> Discerning what the right set of clothes are for the day, all that sort of thing. But we make so many decisions that lead to either good results or not so good results. In fact, some of the decisions that we use in discerning in life can lead to catastrophe or enormous amounts of life, happiness, and blessing. I'm just going to give you an example for a moment uh, in my pocket. Obviously, I have one of these, a smartphone. Maybe some of you have got a smartphone with you. Just think about this for a moment. How much power, knowledge, and capability is stored right in my hand right now? No other generation in all the world has had at their fingertips the amount of power in their hand right now. You know, if you think about it for a moment, some people, uh, through social media, whatever, can create a revolution or a riot or a social movement. Or you could be using your phone to organize your life and communicate with your friends and post messages and you can use it to organize your entire life. You can use it to empty your bank account. <laughs> you can use it to get into debt. You can use it for so many different things. There's a lot of wisdom, even in just having one of these, that you need to navigate life. And everyone almost has one, whether you're wise or not. Hundreds of decisions. How long should I spend on my phone? Am I using it for godly purposes that are productive and useful? Is it destroying my life, ultimately, in the long term? Every day, just with this one simple... And that's just one small aspect of life, isn't it? That can lead to enormous good or enormous destruction. Right and wrong. Discerning is not so easy as just like, yes, I know it's not right to murder, and I know it's right to say my pleas and thank yous. There are many things that require great wisdom. The Apostle James, in James chapter 3, says, Your tongue can do enormous good or create enormous amounts of destruction. Our tongue. It's like a wild animal that needs to be tamed. It's like a small spark of a fire that can set ablaze a whole forest. And it takes real wisdom to know how to use our tongue. When to encourage people. When to challenge. When to not say anything at all. When to bite your tongue. When to just count to ten and not say that first thing that came to your mind. All these things require great wisdom. There are probably a number of grandparents in the room uh, who uh, have to exercise discernment and wisdom every time the grandchildren come round and they see uh, all the things that they know parents shouldn't be doing with their children and you have to exercise real wisdom, don't you? When to speak, <laughs> when to bite your tongue because it could mean the difference between repairing a relationship with your, children, your own children or ruining it and all sorts of things. That's just one small example. Or maybe you're at work and you're, someone's giving you hassle and difficulty, a colleague or a boss. What do you say? When do you say it? 
Do you put up with it? Do you turn the other cheek? Do you challenge? Do you speak the truth? So much issues in life require wisdom. In fact, uh, even in this passage, uh, Solomon exercised a decision right at the beginning. Verse 1, did you see it? And it's an important question for many people in life. It says, verse 1, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. That's a big life decision, isn't it, that Solomon just made as a new king? He decides to marry Pharaoh's daughter. Was that wise or was that foolish of Solomon? Well, from one perspective, you say, oh, great choice, Solomon. She's probably got some wealth. <laughs> She's royalty, son of a pharaoh, daughter of a pharaoh. And you've made a political alliance too, Solomon, well done. You've now got an ally in Egypt, so you're not going to have war with them, and they might help you fight your other enemies. Smart choice. Wise choice, Solomon. But actually, it went against what the Lord instructed Solomon. In Deuteronomy, it says that the Lord says, do not return to Egypt for help. They only enslave you in the long term. Don't turn back to them. Trust me. Don't make alliances with Egypt. More than that, if you go back to Egypt, chances are, Solomon, you might start worshipping foreign gods again. And do you know what? If you just flick on a few chapters, if you carry on reading the story of Solomon, this one decision leads to many, many problems with Solomon. This unwise choice he made. Wise in the eyes of the world, but not according to the Lord. And it doesn't just lead to problems with Solomon. Because he's king, it fans out and causes great problems for the whole people of God. In fact, it leads to a, a split in the people of God. Israel and Judah go their separate ways forevermore after this. It creates infighting, civil war, all kinds of horrible problems. Just that one unwise decision there of King Solomon opened the door uh, for ungodliness. Isn't that interesting? So we all have, and we all should, like Solomon, be asking for wisdom in our lives. Thankfully, Solomon gets a lot better at making decisions. In the later on in the chapter, he does this great one. As you probably, I can't go through the story now, but do you remember? There's two ladies who are disputing over whose who um, whose child um, um, who's the mother of the child. And King Solomon exercises real discernment because it's not easy. There's no DNA testing in those days. You couldn't work it out that way. So he decided to look into their hearts to discern what's going on in their hearts. One was motivated by grief and jealousy, the other from love of a child. And that's how he discerned whose child that uh, the baby belonged to. So he gets better at it. Wisdom is so valuable. We all know when we have a decision to make and we seek out people for advice, don't we? We want help making all sorts of decisions in life. Wisdom is so important and it leads to justice and life or it leads to chaos and corruption and all sorts of things. How do we get wisdom? Let's just spend a few moments thinking how would we get wisdom? Well, Solomon teaches us that too. First of all, he asks for it. Scripture's really clear. If you ask the Lord for wisdom, 
he loves to give it. That's in James chapter 1 as well. Ask the Lord for wisdom. And without bias, he loves to give it. So we pray. But more than that, King Solomon here shows great humility. Do you see that in verse 7? Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Solomon is wise enough to know he's not wise. That's so important. We need to approach life with real humility. So many of us think we always know what's right and what's to do. Humility. We're only, really speaking, even if you're an adult, fully grown, fully capable, fully doing your own life, you need to realise you're still a child before the Lord. We don't know how to navigate life. I'm sure on this phone, there's many more capabilities it could do that I know nothing about. Or even if it broke slightly and I opened it up and tried to fix it, I ain't got a clue, I'll just make it worse. We need to approach life with that kind of humility, like Solomon did. Proverbs 11 verse 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Then we see King Solomon Another reason I think the Lord gives him wisdom is he comes and asks for wisdom because he needs it to help others. Do you see that? He didn't say, Lord, give me wisdom so that I can build up a great empire for myself or make lots of money or sort out my own family problems. He asks for wisdom because he knows he has responsibilities to help others. He is the king and he's got many people he needs to look after. Now, mate, you might not be a king or a queen. Put your hand up if you are a king or a queen. <laughs> Don't have any royalty here today. But you, each and every one of us, have people we are responsible for, even if it's just your neighbour. We have responsibilities. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you're whatever. We have people that we're responsible for. So if we come to the Lord asking for wisdom, Lord, I have people I need to look after grant me wisdom to make right choices for them that pleases the Lord and I'm sure he will give you wisdom so motivation is really important when it comes to wisdom here's a couple of other helpful things I think when we are coming to make decisions and how we seek wisdom obviously we've thought about praying about it even just coming to the Lord you might have thought about a problem for ages, really wrestled with it in your mind, but you've forgotten to just come to the Lord and just kneel before him and say, Lord, help me with this. You'll be amazed how often Jesus will just present you a solution you never saw before or bring to mind a verse that you just needed at that moment or change the situation or close a door. And I would say take time about some of those bigger decisions you've got to make. Don't be too impulsive. Be patient and wait on the Lord. Also consider what does the Bible say? If King Solomon had done that and followed all the instructions that David had left him, he may not have made some of those bad choices that he did. What does the Bible say? 
about the decisions you're trying to make? Is it in accordance with the ways of Jesus? Is it about following Jesus in your life or is it about following some other desire or dream? Seek godly advice from others. That's an easy one to do, isn't it? We're surrounded by many godly people right in front of me. Seek godly advice from those that you consider wise. Make decisions collaboratively sometimes. If it's a community thing that we're doing, if it's a church-related issue, I never just make decisions on my own. I consult with leaders in the church or the PCC or the ministry team. In your own context, you can do that. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give wisdom to one person. That's what I'm trying to say. It get, actually, church can get quite dangerous when only one person says, I know what the Lord has said, and this is what we've got to do. Wisdom is given to the body, to others, that we might discern together the right way. Acts chapter 15, the church has to make a really important decision about the Gentiles, so they call together a council of all the elders and all the apostles to make a decision, and they do it together. I think wisdom is given that way too. Finally then, the wisdom of God is very different from the wisdom of the world. There are many, many wise people in the ways of the world, no doubt, who are very helpful for all sorts of things, who know to, how to navigate very complex situations in business, in politics and in life, etc. But ultimately, God's wisdom looks different, can look very different. God's wisdom is cross-shaped and Jesus-centred. God's wisdom is cross-shaped and Jesus-centred. I'm just going to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, from verse 20. Listen to what Paul the Apostle says. We did end up in 1 Corinthians, not chapter 3. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Is God wise? Of course he is. Did he make the right choices in and through Jesus Christ? Surely yes. But think about this then. Would it have been better for Jesus to have lived a long life and build a huge following and eventually take earthly power away from the Romans and pagan governments or was it more wise for him to die at a very young age? Would it not have been more wise if Jesus had recruited the intellectuals and the scientific leaders of the days and the philosophers and the academics to lead the church? No, he decided to 
pick fishermen and tax collectors and people of no real consequence. Wouldn't it have been wiser to stick around Jesus and not disappear back into heaven and leave us lot in charge of the church? Wouldn't it have been better, Jesus, if you had just destroyed your enemies with your might and power rather than to lose to your enemies or to love your enemies? Was it not wise, wiser, Jesus, to not allow yourself to be humiliated? Was it wise, Jesus, to turn the other cheek when people hit you? Was it wise, Jesus, to die for the sins of the world and to save a soul like ours? God's answer to all these questions, of course, in Jesus, he made the wise choice, for it brought about redemption and salvation for you and for me. It brought about the end of darkness and foolishness of the world, even if the world does not recognise it. If we want to be wise, then, we too need to pick up our cross and walk very closely with Jesus. Let's just pray. And we're going to spend... Well, why don't we just ask the Lord for wisdom? Whatever your situation is, whatever your responsibilities are, wisdom. Heavenly Father, we come before you recognising that we are little children in our ability to know and discern the rights and wrongs and the courses of actions we need to take in this world. Forgive us for those times we've been impulsive, proud, arrogant in our decision-making, selfish. Forgive us times, Lord, where it's created such a huge mess that it seems that it's all falling apart. But rather, Lord, may we come to you for wisdom now, that we might make better choices, that we might walk a closer walk with you, that we might understand the ways of the cross and be able to discern the foolishness of the ways of the world. Just a moment of quiet now as you ask your particular concern or decision that you need wisdom for. And so, Lord, may you grant us our request in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, before we come to communion, we're going to stand and worship together.